Hello. Hello. I'm a bit, a bit off this week. I have not been the most well, so that's not fun. No. You haven't been sick, like, well, not recently, have you? No, Wednesday. Okay. So not, like, sick today. Cool. I was going to say, otherwise <laughs> I'd be like, mm, I'll do it rather not, not come around. Today. <laughs> yeah. Do it remotely. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so I've not had a lot going on. I missed a pub quiz, so that <laughs> yeah. was a shame. Your team obviously didn't need you because they won. Exactly. <laughs> like, I reckon they did better than if I was actually there. Whilst you're feeling like that, probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got our Patreon set up. So if anyone wants to head to Patreon and search for the Weird Sisters podcast, then you can support us and get some some benefits yourselves. Help us keep making this wonderful podcast that you're all hopefully enjoying. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) Help us actually, yeah, keep it going. Um, So yeah, this is in no way our sort of job right now we work full-time jobs yeah busy lives and yeah both full-time jobs and yeah yeah and it, yeah goes a long way to helping us be able to make it yeah Ow. um sorry got the cat in the room with us <laughs> and they just attacked my foot <laughs> i um well I am fed up because we found out that our boiler well our boiler has not been working for like a week and it's not going to be f- sorted for at least another week. So we have no hot water or heating. And you do have a fire, though, luckily. Yeah, that doesn't do anything <laughs> for showering or heating no. stuff up or, like, washing up or anything like that. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's going to cost us at least £400 to fix. So really, really pissed off with that. But tonight we are going for a pre-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving with some American friends so that should be fun I was going to say that's why we're plugging the Patreon fix Becca's boiler yeah exactly <laughs> we are literally starving artists <laughs> so, yeah but yeah Thanksgiving this year for Americans is on the weekend of our uh, martial arts tournament so that's more important apparently to this family well yeah and the family, well, the American family that you're going to. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we wouldn't be able to go if it wasn't, <laughs> like, this weekend instead. So, yeah, it's a early Thanksgiving, which I'm looking forward <clears> to. <throat> yeah. Haven't been to one before, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I have had it confirmed by your friend Molly that the weird marshmallow-topped sweet potatoes is definitely a thing. It is. Uh, we had it at her Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Yeah. It sounds... I mean, it I'm really sorry. Nice. I'm sorry, people who do it, but it just sounds awful. I think it will change your mind. I thought that until I had How it. How can it you is nice. have like a marshmallow dessert essentially with a roast dinner? Like that doesn't make sense. I know, but Americans don't understand our fascination with bread sauce either. True, so. or like baked beans. So. Ah, exactly. And baked beans are amazing. Beans on toast is the best thing. Ah! But like, you are just like savaged I by the know. cat. <laughs> That's like a really violent reaction to baked beans. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, but no, yeah. baked beans on baked potato Ooh, with cheese yeah. and coleslaw and butter. Oh, yes. Oh, we had that at Bonfire's night. So good. Ooh, I am. Hung- I'm hungry. And I I've... don't know what we've got for dinner because obviously I've been off my food. Me like, neither. I don't know what we're doing. Unnerved. I don't like not being in control of food. So <laughs> like, yeah, I feel quite unnerved not knowing what we've got. Yeah. And yeah, are you feeling back to like like wanting to eat now? I had some cheese and crackers last night, and that was nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm in that horrible stage where I want to eat, but I don't want to eat because I can't yeah. think of anything that I want to eat. Yeah. And yeah. I cannot eat if it's not something that I really want to be eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I may have to go to the shop later and just see if anything takes my fancy. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, well... Yeah, I'm not we in should... control today. No. <laughs> stop waffling. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and focus. Cause I've been rushing around today with, like, student um, lessons and stuff, so I haven't properly eaten any, like, lunch or anything, so I'm hungry <laughs> i'm hoping that my laptop battery is going to last so we should definitely get on yes um so yeah today i am doing a bit of a different episode um it's still like very tragic at points and Ooh. pretty horrifying um right we've just changed rooms just to avoid children yeah so <laughs> um, and to find a plug socket to be fair yeah 
So as I was saying, um, yeah, it's still very tragic, this episode, pretty horrifying at points, but overall it's more like a themed few short cases and not like exactly true crime. Okay. One of the cases is, but like it's more, a bit like my Timothy Treadwell one, it's more of just kind of like disaster rather than, yeah. But yes, I did ensure that I didn't do this in August slash early September before Elle's honeymoon, because I will preface this by saying maybe give this a miss if you're due to fly oh, anytime no, soon. Oh, I hate flying. This is still going to haunt me yeah. when I fly next. Yeah, if you're a nervous flyer, um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> we had such bad turbulence on the oh, way back God. from Costa Rica I- and... I am oh. worrying that even though I'm not flying till next September, I'm going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had we were flying when there was a hurricane right where we oh were my God. going through. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's that big one in Florida. Oh. See, Troy yeah. is like, oh, yeah. I Like, he loves, like, air crash investigation. What? And he was like, oh, I could watch that on the plane. No. I'm like, what ha- is wrong with you? I, I would literally kill someone <laughs> who was watching that on the plane next to me. Yeah. I'd be like, you dick. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. This week I am looking at the 1988 Aloha Airlines flight number two four three disaster, okay. the British Airways flight five three nine zero near disaster in 1990. Just in case you wanted to put it down to it's fine, they don't happen that often. Yeah. We're covering more than exactly. one. Exactly, and the tragic <laughs> case of German Wings flight nine five two five in 2015, so seven years ago. Ah. And this- you've not covered the one that went. <laughs> disappeared and they don't know what's happened to it no no oh god well that that was a malaysia yeah wasn't it yeah i know that's so weird but then the atlantic ocean it was the atlantic wasn't it or was it the pacific i never know might have been the pacific we know what my geography's like true (laughs) it was an ocean the oceans of the planet (laughs) that we live on are so vast like Yeah. yeah who knows but yeah so we've got Three cheery um, air crash cases. If you don't hear me, it's because I've just left the room. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm yeah. not dealing with this. <laughs> um, then I was about to say, like, they're not too bad. But, like, they are. The air crashes. They're not great. <laughs> like, I can't actually lie. None of them are great. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get on to our first of three. I mean, I'll take, con- what's it, um, solace in the fact that from 1988 to 2015 you've only got three that you've chosen true yeah that's quite a span of time i've chosen ones that like grabbed me and were ones that i kind of sort of i knew of them and they interested me so great (laughs) but the last one is the reason why i am terrified of flying is that the one where the pilot just decided to kill everyone (laughs) and himself okay spoilers like (laughs) like, i think everyone's heard of that we might have to cut that but (laughs) we will find out (laughs) um that's what freaks me out exactly like i've gotten to the point where i can trust the plane a bit now and be Mm -hmm. like no it's doing what it's designed to do but that still means having to trust a pilot exactly. that could decide he wants to yeah. kill you all i remember once um after that pilot had crashed the plane deliberately um it wasn't too long after that that i was flying back Ugh. from i think greece or something or yeah something like that yeah and they were like oh you know we're approaching london and we're about to begin our descent mm. and it was just black and i was yeah. like we're over london there should be lights everywhere <laughs> like where they're crashing us into the sea yeah like I, yeah um, that's why I hated the determinants flying back from Costa Rica because it was pitch black and at night time and the plane would just start dropping and shaking oh and stuff and you couldn't see what the fuck was out the oh, window because yeah. it was just dark. That's what's freaking me out about going to America next year. It's like, I don't like flying over the Atlantic. Yep. It's all I can think about. is like, if we go down in here, we're gone. No one's going to find us in time. Great. We're going to drown horribly or freeze to death. I'm flying to America before you next year because I'm going and seeing Molly Aww. on my own. Oh damn. Yes. <laughs> so this is going to be plaguing my head. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, I want to come. I won't be able to. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> You'll be too expensive. I know. Yeah. But yeah, um, on to the Aloha Airlines flight. Okay. Which is flight number one. So it was the 28th of April, 1988, in Hilo, I think? A Hawaiian town. Hilo, if it's Ola. I don't know. Because different things are pronounced differently, depending. But then it's Hawaii. 
Hilo or Hilo or Hilo. Yeah. <laughs> H-I-L-O. I'm really sorry, guys. Like, this is where sometimes I don't deliberately try to pronounce foreign words that I don't know because I don't want to sound like a dick pretending like I know. I would rather yeah. just admit, like, I'm not quite sure. I'm sorry. You have um, an English degree, not a foreign language degree. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, it was a Hawaiian town known for its beautiful misty rainbow falls. That sounds cool. Basalt lava rock pools called boiling pots. They sound scary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also near Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, which has, actually, you've guessed, two active volcanoes in it. I would not have guessed that specific number. But no, but yeah. <laughs> um, active volcanoes freak me out. Oh, no, so Costa Rica's got active volcanoes. <laughs> we went up to one of the peaks that was mm -hmm. the collapsed peak um, and then obviously it's still got another active peak and we were up there oh my god cool. <laughs> but um, yeah at the airport uh, a Boeing 737-297 oh god that's a proper plane yep it's one of the ones that like they can use still yeah I like literally know like the Boeing 737 like yep. my head knows oh yeah I've yeah, you are on board a eh? Boeing 737. 787, right. I think, now is ah. like more common. But yes, anyway. Um, yes, the aircraft was named Queen Liliukalani. That's I a think. cool one. Yeah, and was boarded by 90 passengers <laughs> along with her five crew members. <gasps> one passenger, Gail Yamamoto, saw what looked like a crack in the body of the plane. There's something she... wrong with the plane. <laughs> yeah. um, as she was boarding the plane, yeah, she noticed what just like what looked like a small crack in the body. No. But no, no, no. she wasn't concerned enough to ask any of the crew whether this had been checked. You'd assume it had been, but yeah. oh god. So yeah, Gail boarded the plane with everyone else. Yeah. And the aircraft took off at twenty five past one in the afternoon. She was headed to Honolulu, also in Hawaii. And despite Honolulu only being about 300 kilometres away, she was not going to make it. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Less than 25 minutes after takeoff. Oh, God. At about 1.48pm, part of the aircraft's roof on the left-hand side buckled under the pressure of the altitude. <sighs> uh, this caused massive amounts of sudden decompression, which decimated the aircraft, oh. with the pressure changes ripping the entire top half of the aircraft's skin from the cockpit to the front wings, free from the plane. That's horrific. It was just peeled back like a can of sardines. Oh, God. Yeah. No. This was not in line with the 737's design in terms of no like, shit. <laughs> in terms of like how it's meant to cope with a problem yeah. <laughs> obviously not like oh that's not meant to happen <laughs> that was a feature we put in <laughs> but yeah that oh. wasn't how it was supposed to work. fail yeah this plane is designed to allow breakaway to cope with incidents affecting the body of the plane but queen liliuklani sorry Queen Lilia Kalani. She was unfortunately quite aged, and her fuselage was in poor condition, suffering from rusting. And yeah, oh, there no. was stress on the fixtures holding the craft together. So there's this thing called, which I found out from this, called the zipper effect, okay. where small issues snowball once the first opening occurs. Yeah, and that seems to have come into play here. It just unzipped. Yeah, the plane. so yeah, just that whole portion of the plane just kind of came off jesus oh yeah God. somehow captain robert schornsteimer that's a cool name i know and first officer mimi Tompkins kept their heads despite first class behind them now being open to the sky outside i mean was their bit of the plane still covered then i'm guessing being in the cockpit yeah it was that's but that, like oh. right behind them they had like sky and bits of insulation were being blown about, like, inside the cockpit from the debris of the plane. Oh. Yeah. So they stayed so calm. They contacted Maui Airport to give their mayday call and advise of an emergency landing. Um, <laughs> Sensible. Yeah. yeah. In amongst all the utter chaos and terror being experienced on board, because, you know, the roof's gone. Yeah. The cabin crew were continuing to support passengers. I could not do that job. No. I literally could not. No. Michelle Honda, one of the flight attendants, was thrown to the floor in the ordeal, but she was still crawling, despite being injured, to offer reassurance and help passengers where she could. Oh, my God. Like, you are committed. Yeah. Like... Yeah, Jane Sato Tomita, despite being actually quite injured in the initial explosion by pieces of plane 
like shrapnel. Yeah. She was like bleeding and everything was being clung to by passengers as the plane went into its emergency descent. And the cockpit recording device, like they have the recordings and you could just hear like the sound of screaming. Oh my God. Have you listened to it? No, oh, thank okay, God. God. I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. oh, I literally... Yeah. No. But there was then, like, patchy communication with air traffic control that they couldn't get through properly. Oh, my God. But they requested, as well as they could, for an ambulance to be waiting when they landed because people are being hit by bits of plane. I and, feel yeah. like they should have more than one. Yeah, well, we'll find out that... Yeah, it's not ideal that they were landing in Maui. I guess it a little. Yeah. <laughs> the emergency descent was not without its complications either. The communication between the cockpit and the air stewards was out of action, so the captain had no idea how many passengers were injured. Like, as you're going down as well, mm. I guess you've got to do it so gradually so that people don't fly out of the Yeah, plane that's the thing, yeah. No I guess you can... Yeah, but they're only lap belts in planes, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Um, but also some electrics had been wrecked when the plane's roof ruptured. So on descent, the system wasn't showing whether the landing gear at the nose was descended. Oh. Yeah. So the captain and co-pilot had to descend expecting a crash landing. Yeah. Which is just I, horrifying. Because surely at that point, it's like, well, we're all going to die anyway. I don't know. Crash <laughs> landings, as long as you get the plane onto the runway, like yeah, at that point, you're I guess probably you just quite... scrape along. Yeah. yeah, people aren't in the belly of the plane. That's where true. the luggage is. So. Yeah, that's true. Luckily, though, moving on, the yep. wiring was just faulty. So the landing gear had been able to descend as expected. Oh. So passengers were all helped into life jackets, as though whilst the descent was happening, due to the possibility of crashing into the sea if they didn't make it to Maui in time. Yeah. It's just, I can't imagine being that passenger. I was thinking this as well. I was saying this to Troy. I was like, these things freak me out. Because I'm like, even if you survive... Yeah. All these people, they're going to have to get back on a plane to get back to where they need to go. No, see, that and is how would, I, I would, couldn't do it. I, I'd go on a cruise ship. Yeah. I would cruise ship my way back mm. home. I would not be able to get back on a plane no. to get home again. You'd think you could cruise ship to America and then from America you could take like, a <laughs> like ocean liner. Like I would. Six weeks. It's like, sorry, work. I had a plane accident. So like, no, I'm not flying Granny home. had to fly back home right after 9-11. I know, yeah. And well, she's she not right after because she was trapped in America, okay, wasn't well, she? Okay, well, yeah, but you but know yeah, what I mean? Like, a few days after. after. Like, within a week. I think she was there for... I think she was there for a while. They, like, grounded all flights for a few weeks. Yeah, but she was, like, one of the first ones that they were oh, letting fly okay. again. Oh, my God. You yeah. wouldn't... Wow. Yeah. And, of course, she was due quite to, close to yeah. being on one of the She was planes. due to be on one of those planes... Like she changed it. Yeah, she changed the flight, but she was on that flight number and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's just terrifying. I could not get back on a plane. No. I'd just be like, nope, I'm now or, living here. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Hawaii, there's worse places true. to live. Yes, that's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Just like, okay, well, I'll make the best of it, which, to be fair, isn't that bad. <laughs> like, so. I live here now. Yeah. <laughs> the plane, thank goodness, did manage to reach Maui Airport. And it landed at 1.58pm, 33 minutes after takeoff. All of this had happened in 33 minutes. I think mm. I would feel, if I survived the initial roof being ripped off and mm. all that stuff, and now yeah. they're descending and you're strapped in, I think I would start feeling a little bit better. Yeah, true. I'd be like, okay, the worst of it may be over. Yeah, that's true. Like, if we can cope with this, surely it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, they landed, and luckily it wasn't an emergency landing. Well, it was an emergency landing, but not a crash landing. Yeah. And down the emergency slide went the passengers, assisted by staff. Because the staff just like, oh, my God, I hope they got a bonus. You really <laughs> hope so. Yeah. And, I, I mean, how would they get... Surely they'd have to find different jobs a lot. Yeah. Them. I could not do no. that job anymore. 65. Those emergency slides always remind me of those kids' fairgrounds <laughs> oh, slides yeah. as well. It's like they're preparing you yeah. for <laughs> tragedy. Yeah. God. God, I'd be screwed with my phobia of slides. They'd like, just be like, no, I'm staying on the plane. Yeah, I'm staying on it whilst it sinks. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll wait till it's sunk enough yeah, to like swim just, off. Yeah. <laughs> um, 65 of the 95 people on board needed medical treatment, with a fair few of those needing serious treatment. Did anyone die? 
We will get to okay. that. I'm jumping yeah. right ahead. In 1988, Maui was in no way equipped for dealing with an incident like this. I mean, he's a demigod. Like, come on, Maui. Yeah, like, what can he say? Except you're welcome. Um, <laughs> Not for that. <laughs> but yeah, they had to use the vans from a tour company to take passengers to the hospital because there weren't enough ambulances. My God. And the vans were having to be driven by, like, office staff and airport workers. Jesus. Like, yeah. No, like, you pay me to be in the office, not yeah. to <laughs> well, you just that. sit there at your desk like, no, I'm not doing it. No, I wouldn't. But can you imagine, like, suddenly having to, like, yeah. be that calm and Gosh. collected and, like, no, I'm not trained for this. Yeah. Like, but, yes, your uh, slightly off-timed question okay. is being answered now as we reach the most horrifying and distressing part of this particular story. Because it was not just the 65 people in need of medical assistance who were casualties of the flight. On board the plane that day were three flight attendants. Jane and Michelle have already been mentioned. Yeah. But flight attendant number three was Clarabelle Lansing, a 55-year-old woman with over 30 years of experience on aircraft. So she must have been really comfortable on them. Yeah. She was doing drink service and she was serving a Mr. and Mrs. Flanagan uh, who were on their, like, um, anniversary. Like, yeah. they were going on their anniversary, yeah. Um, she was serving them when the giant section of fuselage was torn off the plane. Mm. Um, it was torn off right by the Flanagans and Clarabelle. Uh, the plane was currently flying 24,000 feet over the Pacific Ocean. She's quite high. Yeah. Miss, Mrs. Flanagan and Mr. Flanagan remember that Clarabelle had just handed a drink to Mrs. Flanagan. And, like, their hands kind of, like, brushed as the drink was exchanged just as there was the massive banging noise of the plane tearing apart uh-huh. and Clarabelle was sucked straight out of the plane <gasps> oh my god yeah, right in front of them yeah the thing is and what I always find most terrific about stuff like that and like people falling off of stuff and mm-hmm. everything like that is that you're not dead at that point yeah you've got time to register what's going on yeah yeah oh, um she poor- yeah. Woman. She is presumed dead, but her body has never been recovered. Well, where would they find yeah. it? Like... The uh, waters around the island were searched by coast guards in the water and by air. But, yeah, they've never managed to find her. That's, uh, that's but, just yeah. horrible. She was the only fatality of the disaster. I mean, that's but... bloody incredible yeah. that there was only one to be found. Yeah. Like, someone told me, how many people do you think would die on a plane that got the its roof, roof ripped, ripped off, off at... 24,000 feet I'd say a lot more than one yeah like it's horrific for her Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine but at the same time what it's amazing that it wasn't just one yeah yeah what a near even greater tragedy but just it could have been yeah it's such a tragedy for her but it could have been such a tragedy for even more people yeah so yeah just that is case number one wrapped up that's it we're done yes yeah. <laughs> we are done <laughs> so yeah wear your seatbelts, people um when you're on the plane you, and don't I, take them off I is don't. what i feel like now unless i go to the toilet i'm one of those really anal people that's just like no i'm keeping it on i mean i guess now i i can't even like tease you about it because i'm no. like yeah no that makes sense now like that what's the point of taking it off i mean i do because then i can like sit funnily and like get comfy but because I can't sit properly with, like, my legs down. I have to, like, curl up in the seat. I don't know. I crossed my legs in the seat and stuff, but that the seatbelt's around my waist. Yeah, but you're considerably shorter than me. <laughs> that <laughs> so, is like... true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can just, like, quite hold a, up. Yeah, you're quite a small person. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. We had no one sitting next to us on the flight out or back home. Oh, and so yes. I was able to just, like, I still had my seatbelt on because, mm. you know, you should. Um, I was just I was able to sit like with my legs up like just on my seat and the seat next to me oh that's so nice yeah Um, but yeah so that was case one the next case is is, again a fairly short one but it's a pretty incredible story (laughs) incredible maybe in inverted commas we're going to talk about the 1990 British Airways flight uh, number 5390 now. And I'm not trying to be glib, I'm just so uncomfortable, that's why I'm making, like, yeah, dark humour, because like, this is horrendous, and it's, like, one of my worst fears. I Sorry. really am glad that I reminded myself that you would not want to hear this before the honeymoon, <laughs> and I, like, held off. Um, yeah, flight 
5390 was travelling from Birmingham in the north of England. Well, like, north to me, because I know that people further north might call it more the middle of England. But we live in the southeast, and I disagree, it's north. It's not north, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's way further south than Manchester, where yeah, I've lived. Manchester's, like, practically Scotland. No, <laughs> like... it's not. And Birmingham is only, like, two hours away from us. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Liverpool. No, yeah, Birmingham, okay, it's not as far. Yeah, Liverpool's north. No. We've got to go to <laughs> Liverpool in two weeks, and I'm like, ugh. I love Liverpool and Manchester. I need to take Josh to Manchester because he's not been. And Manchester. I keep saying he's got to go. But he just laughs because when I'm up, like, around northern people and Manchester and that, my accent completely changes. It's changing now I know, you're talking, talking about, about it. About like, it. dear God. And especially when I get tipsy, like, I've read, like, stuff out to him when I've been tipsy before, and he's just like, you sound so northern. Oh, my God. So when we go to Manchester, like, he's just going to just be laughing at yeah. me the whole time. Anyway, they're, they're at Birmingham, which is not Birmingham, north. Birmingham, north, maybe middle. <laughs> you make up your own minds. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Birmingham to Spain, uh, Malaga, to be precise. In very nice. June of that well, year. probably not very nice, actually. Yeah, very party place now, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was more thinking, like, the trip. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, how nice to be going on that trip. And I was like, no, no, not with what we're talking no. about. So the plane took off without issue at 8.20am. Early flight. Yeah. Probably been to Spoons beforehand. <laughs> had, a, had a cheeky pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was settling into the flight. But after just 27 minutes, because everything seems to happen within, like, half an hour. I know, this is what I hate. Like, once we... I am on edge until we get to the hour mark. Once yeah. we pass the hour mark, I'm like... Okay, we should be fine. Even if something goes wrong, we should be able to glide. Mm-hmm. But that first True, hour, yeah. I'm just shitting myself. Yeah, yeah. I hate the takeoff. I Landing. hate when the engines cut out. Oh my god! Like yeah. obviously because they've finished climbing, mm. but they then that's the thing I hate when down. it's like leveling out and you're yeah. like we're going down, we're going up, we're going side to side. Like yeah. what? Mm-hmm. When it just like drops, I'm like Bleh. yeah. And no. then you just hear the engines just whir down, yeah. and it's just like, are they meant to? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, and I'm are always high now. That's thing because I'm always kind of like. I can't trust how the cabin crew are acting because they would be told to act like everything's fine even if it Uh, wasn't. They do help me because I'm just like, they would, like, once they do, well, I always used to feel more relieved when they did drink service because I was like, if they're doing drink service, everything's fine. But not with what the first case was now. Well, yeah, true. On our way back, they did drink service and then they're just like, "Um, we're going to hit some turbulence. So would the cabin crew please return to their seats and fasten their seatbelts? And I'm just like... And what, then you're like, oh, what's no, going to be is bad? Is it actually turbulence or is it there's something shitty yeah. wrong with the plane? That's the thing, because you know they wouldn't tell you. Exactly. Like, oh, um, where was I? Yeah. They're going just, Birmingham to Spain. Yep. And after just 27 minutes, an issue with the cockpit windows became apparent. That's not good. Um, the incident was caused by screws that were fractionally too small. Literally... <sighs> 0.66 millimetres too small to be precise. That is quite a lot when it, it's in terms of screws and nails and stuff though. Yes, this is what we are realising now. It was installed, the, the windows and the screws yeah. were installed 27 hours before the flight during maintenance in total disregard for safety regulations by an engineer who was not, who didn't have possession of the policies and regulation booklets. Okay. And this meant that the pressure cracked the glass, <clears throat> instantly messing up the cabin pressure inside. And the screws came loose, leaving a hole in two of the windscreens. That's no. Yeah. Oh. They just got ripped out, basically, because they were too small yeah. to have stuck in the, in yeah. the holes. Yeah. Um, the hole in one of the windscreens was big enough for the pilot tim lancaster to be dragged out of the cockpit hang on what how big are these screws well i mean like the whole window's been blown out oh okay (laughs) 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 at the most unfunny moment you've now got like the funniest misunderstanding (laughs) i thought the screws came out leaving two little holes no in the windscreen the screws came out leaving two holes where the window panes were oh okay oh my god i was just imagining these giant bloody screws like like dinner plate no bigger like hub 
like I don't know dustbin lid size like screw <laughs> for any listeners who were following and were like oh my god it's at a really tense moment I'm sorry or um, for anyone that was very confused like me yeah maybe I just didn't write this well and everybody else was like yeah I thought that and I'm sounding really stupid <laughs> But yeah, oh, no. Okay, so, so the windows no, two, are actually yeah, gone. Two windows are gone because the screws holding them in place have been sucked out. Okay, and the pilot Tim Lancaster uh, was dragged out of one it's of them. Quite not quite interesting, but you'd think that he'd get pushed further into the cockpit mm. than out because the plane yeah. boards. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, all of the like the way that wind works and comes stuff, in and one window and stuff. Out the yeah, other. yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, the plane was currently just under 23,000 feet above England. Oh. Nigel Ogden, a flight attendant, was in the cockpit at the time. That's bad timing because, like, normally they would not be in the cockpit. Yeah. Oh, but it's good timing, though, because he oh, remembers okay. seeing Tim flying out the window. But that's not good. Tim had been wearing a seatbelt, but the force of the pressure change had, like, pulled him out of the seat and the seatbelt. But Nigel, fucking Nigel quicker ability to grasp a situation than I think I could ever have. And definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> and the reflexes of, like, Legolas from Lord of the Rings and, I don't know, the physical prowess of Simony Biles. Nigel... Simony Biles? You know, the gymnast. Nope. Oh, he's like a really famous gymnast okay, right now. Like, cool. best gymnast in the world, kind of thing. I'm crap with uh, names. Okay. <laughs> um, he, quote, said, I jumped over the control column jumped over the control column and grabbed Tim round the waist. Towards to- the open yeah. window. He jumped towards the yep. open window. Like Where someone is disappearing out of it. That's either bravery or stupidity or just not enough time yeah. to consider it. I think it was just probably one of those things where like, you just go. You yeah. try and grab them. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, if that's one of my kids, I wouldn't Well, yeah, so exactly. just you wouldn't just be like, them. hell no. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> like, God. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he grabbed Tim round the waist to avoid him going out completely. So there Nigel was in a depressurised cockpit. How's gap- he staying in? Gaping hole in the windscreen, 23,000 feet in the air, clinging on to the captain and the only thing stopping the captain from plunging to his death on the ground that spiralled away from him below. What are his leg muscles made of? I don't know. Like, um, he can't have been fastened himself to be able no. to do that. So how- I guess the windows aren't huge. Yeah. So, like, I guess maybe the body of the captain was kind of, like, plugging the gap in a way, stopping him from being able maybe. to go out. But, yeah. Oh, but also, do you want to do you want to know the next thing, making this flight the best ever? <laughs> no. <laughs> the pilot's legs, Tim, had thrust forward and turned autopilot off, so they were also diving towards the ground at a speed of 403 miles per hour. I mean, that's just, like, final destination, isn't yeah. it? Like, you're going to die, and on your way out the window, you're going to ensure the deaths of everyone yeah. else. Yeah, God, yeah. Um, yeah, the cockpit door had also been blown against the aircraft controls by the wind, so the throttle was affected, which meant they were accelerating downwards. So <laughs> it is final destination, yeah. bloody shit. Yeah. It really makes you think sometimes that there is more to life than we give it credit yeah. for. Yeah. But yeah, random items from the passenger side of the plane. They were just like being sucked out past Tim and on Nigel and yeah, just... I would like to point out that they really should do testing for if the door does get jammed open to make sure that it's not in contact with any of the controls. Yeah, that is... I'm assuming probably they have... They do now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the terrifying thing though, because it's like so many things change because of incidents. Yes. Like, mm. Luckily, the co-pilot, Alastair Atchison, was working to try and get the plane back under control whilst Nigel clung to the captain. Well, at least he should be able to fly it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nigel was thankfully aided just in time by John Heward, one of the other flight attendants. Nigel's the really insanely quick and yeah. strong guy, yeah. yeah. But yeah, John came and started helping him with the captain just as Nigel started to lose his grip. <gasps> that would be horrifying. Yeah. Um, so John took over holding on to the captain because Nigel was no longer able to due to frostbite and bruises to his Jesus, arms. Jesus, it's like Snowpiercer. What's that? Oh, have you not watched Snowpiercer? No. On the, there's a film of it and then there's a series on Netflix. Oh. But essentially to punish the people <clears throat> in the lower down cabins because the world's like this snowy, it's fucked world. Mm-hmm. They stick that... <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wish it would snow now. Well, yeah. But they stick their arms out of the train and they instantly get frozen and then they smash them. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh my god. Luckily no one smashed Nigel's arms. No. Um yeah, he had frostbite and bruises from holding on to So Jesus. like and John um, not John, Tim the captain is outside in this. So he'll be getting frostbitten. Yep. The captain was pinned to the side of the plane outside, contorted but secure, like for now. Whilst Nigel screamed Mayday over and over into the cockpit radio. He was unable to hear any responses due to the noise from the wind. Oh my so they didn't God. know if things were getting through. Or uh, Simon Rogers, another attendant, now also, joined the terrifying event still unfolding in the cockpit. What is the point of Mayday if you mm. can't hear a response? Because surely you're shouting Mayday to get help. I guess at least they're alerting them that something's wrong. But yeah. yeah. But like, if you're landing in a busy airport, mm. I suppose they may ground all the flights at that yeah, point. Yeah, true, yeah. So that you don't accidentally take another mm, one yeah out. i guess they're not gonna set off whilst they're like hang on yeah. something's happening under there off you go yeah that's like, a good point yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool um but yeah simon rogers one of the attendants he had now come in um you know join the party um he tied himself into one of the chairs and then took hold of the captain's legs as well that's kind of sensible yeah so they were just desperately trying to prevent him being sucked entirely out of the plane to his death oh my god Nonetheless, though, this was not the only issue. <laughs> Even secured as well as possible, the pressure was too intense to drag the captain back inside. Because yeah. the pressure was increasing the captain's weight to make it feel like he weighed over 500 pounds. And his body's got to deal with that. Yeah. And they, how are they holding on to him? Like, are they just like muscle bound? Like, I don't know, He-Man. I'm guessing because as he sucked out, he's now getting pushed against yeah, true. the cockpit from the but outside. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. even thought about the effect on his body no. in terms of dealing with that pressure, making it feel like he's that heavy as yeah. well. Yeah. So yeah, his body was under extreme pressure, like duress and yeah. And the captain was being battered by the winds, which were forcing him again and again into the cockpit windscreens that were still there. Yeah. His eyes apparently were just open and staring the whole time. Oh, my God. And blood was streaming from his nose and head, whilst his limbs just, like, jerked disturbingly in the currents. That is the yeah. stuff of nightmares. Yep. And he was like this in the freezing temperatures, body being bruised and bloodied every which way for about 20 minutes. <gasps> in wind temperatures of minus 17. 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Like, fuck. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, just an awful, horrifying... I can't imagine being the passengers in this flight as well. Oh, no. Just like... Because, I don't know, what are they doing? Just sat there, just like... Well, they probably don't know if the cabin door's shut, do they? I don't know. I mean, I guess they were, like, diving down to the but ground, right? Like, and Jesus. the captain's, like, banging against the front of the plane, which I guess you'd hear. I wonder if the captain ever flew again. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we may get onto that. We may get onto that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, where was I, yeah? If he survives. Mm, exactly. Alistair, the co-pilot, finally brought them into a safe emergency landing in Southampton. Go, though. Alistair. I know. They landed at 8.55am, Again, 35 minutes after takeoff. So it's just like, oh my God, these things happening so quickly freaks me out. But yes, that is lucky because for whatever insane reason, the plane didn't have levels of oxygen on board to sustain everyone in the instance of a depressurization. Oh my God. Yep. So it's just like absolutely mm. apocalyptic. Just like, what the fuck? So yeah, uh, the conditions Tim, the pilot, had been subject to, they were just so far from survivable despite his crew's valiant efforts Aww. to save him in all truth partway into the disaster tim was presumed dead anyway yeah but the crew had continued to cling to him in order to prevent an even greater tragedy because if they let his body go they worried he would be sucked into an engine which Aww. would just doom every other person on the flight because it would just like explode the plane yeah and at least they got his body back yeah. to his family. So the three stewards had bravely held on tight to the corpse as long as necessary. Bless them, that's yeah. horrible. Upon landing, passengers who had been being reassured again by stewards, because stewards don't get paid enough. I don't know how much they get paid, but I guarantee it's not enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, they were instructed to remain in the brace position throughout the plane's descent. Oh my God, that no. Yeah, just... Ugh. They uh, disembarked immediately whilst emergency services dealt with the captain. Um, they were working under the assumption that nobody could have survived that ordeal as well. But miraculously, Tim was found to be unconscious, but still alive. The pilot? Yep. Holy Tim, the shit. pilot, 
everyone I thought assumed you just he was said dead. he was dead. They thought he was. My God. But then as emergency services were like loading him, they realised he was unconscious, not dead. Yeah. So, so like, plot those, twist. Those, um, Thank God they held on stewards, to Stewards, yeah, yeah. And weren't just like, oh, well, he's dead now, so. Like, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. yeah. Like, they saved his life in more ways than one. By... They should get a medal. Yeah. But yeah, so Tim was not dead. He was unconscious, but still alive. Wow. And he was rushed to hospital where, very much, more than 20 minutes, being smashed against the front of the plane, body made to feel like it's over 500 pounds by the pressure, etc. Minus 17 degree winds. He was only treated for fractures in his right arm, his right wrist, his left thumb, frostbite and shock. What? Yeah. And he was back wow. in work. He was back in work five months later. Hang on, what? No, why? Yeah. He went back to work and was just like... Why? Well, what? if I can survive that. <laughs> yeah, I can survive anything. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, incredible. So yeah. this case is not sad. But it's, well, it's, it's pretty awful, but it's not it's actually not tragic. a tragic. Yeah. yeah. It's not a tragic. It's not a tragedy. God. That's yeah. in that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those... He must have been so bloody grateful to those yeah. stewards. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I hope he sent them more than just flowers. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah. not that you should have to thank people for saving your no. life. It's a decent thing to fucking do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Save people's lives, don't yeah. expect a reward. Yeah. Same, <laughs> same. unfortunately, can't be said for, like, all the engineers who were working on this plane. Well, Cause, to be fair, it sounds like you said the guy who did it didn't know he fucked up. Oh, yeah, but he wasn't following safety procedures and wasn't reading their manuals on what to do. That's all you should know that you have to. Yeah, those screws that were less than one millimetre too small, it turned out that the engineer who fitted them the day before had just changed the screws like for like with the ones already there. So that windscreen windscreen had been previously fitted incorrectly too. Oh, my God. With the exact same size screws. So how it made it to being replaced, I just, like, how? Yeah. How did that not happen sooner? Because if that had happened sooner, you can guarantee it wouldn't have ended up as happy yeah. as this. Wow. Like, pure chance that it didn't go horribly wrong before. But, yeah, that's that. But to reassure anyone travelling with British Airways soon, they now secure their screens with bolts inside the plane to reduce the effects of pressure. And <laughs> so hopefully they can't every be other out. airline does as yeah. well. <laughs> I did not check, but I'm going to go for yes. I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing it is... It's planes made now have to yeah. have that added it's safety It's surely, feature. like, standard, a lot of these yeah. safety things. So, yeah, that was that case. It, so, yeah, it came to a happy ending overall. Maybe you should have done that one at the end for a I happy ending. I did realise this partway through. I was like, why didn't I put this one at the end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just round it off with actually something good. Positive? Yeah, because this is not positive unfortunately no i know this one if it's what i said earlier yeah the final case i wanted to discuss takes us to an early spring day in 2015 aboard german wings flight 9525 the flight was going from barcelona to dusseldorf and yeah sadly all 150 people on board would die yeah but to understand this tragedy we must rewind a little way and look at the co-pilot andreas lubitz Lubitz was 27 years old and from Germany. He had grown up near Frankfurt in the town of Montabaur. Montabaur? Yeah. <laughs> I don't speak German. I'm so sorry, everyone. I think it's Montabaur. Montabaur. He loved aviation and he joined the local gliding club as a teenager. And he was also a keen runner through his life, from what I read. Okay. Um, which is good for mental health. But... Yeah. Um, not for me. <laughs> um, Lubitz has... Do you not feel better after you've done it? No, because my hip's normally dying after that. But yes, in terms of, like, exercise, definitely. Yeah. I do. I enjoy exercise as long as it's not, like, <laughs> injuring my body, which running is... I'm glad, in a way, no, that running... told you that yeah. you're not allowed to. Yes, because yeah. I just hate running. It's so mind-numbing. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> I don't know how you enjoy it. I don't enjoy the running. Oh, I enjoy okay. the obstacles and oh, the right. exercises. Oh, between. okay. Because you do a lot of running for someone who doesn't like I it. I know. Though. I absolutely detest running. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Lubitz enjoyed running, apparently. But Lubitz had also started training to be a pilot with Lufthansa. The mm-hmm. parent company for German Wings, which I don't know if German Wings exists still, but Lufthansa does. Okay. Definitely, doesn't it? 
Um, he started training to be a pilot in 2007 or 2008. It wasn't entirely clear. Okay. After, straight after finishing school. But he had needed to take time off a year or so after starting because of mental health problems. Eek. Yeah. It turned out he was prone to bouts of severe depression and had, be, had been throughout his life. See, this is where it gets muddy because... For me, when you're putting people in charge of so many other people's lives, it becomes quite murky as to whether you should take that stuff into account or not. Mm, but I suppose depression is not something that... I don't feel like depression is inherently dangerous. I, I think, think we it depends get to a stigmatising kind of place. how bad it is. Mm. Like, if it's non-treatable, non... Mm. Um, sort of if it's not being controlled then that's not healthy for the yeah. person or yeah but i think it gets to a very disturbing yeah. place sometimes of like stigmatizing mental health yeah and sort of like and then people won't get help for yeah them. yeah i agree because like just... with my job or like the work i do obviously i'm self-employed now but like with tutoring and things i think it could be so easy for people to be like, oh, you have mental health problems, you've got no business like working with young people who are being moulded. Like, oh, yeah, you completely that, disagree with that. Yeah. In, in, like, you wouldn't let... There's, there's mental health mm. criteria for the military, for example, mm. and... Unfortunately, I maybe, don't want to keep it all I know it doesn't, now. but mm. maybe, like, if you're responsible for a lot of lives, like... Mm you need to be stringent about who you yeah. are employing as opposed I don't mm. think it should be oh if you've ever had depression no but. but it did end up with he did have to have yearly um psych events yeah like okay. evaluations for his health yeah so I think they were putting sensible measures in place because yeah. I think that's the thing I think we just can't say oh this means you can't do that um no but yes we also have to be careful that people's mental health is sort being... of treated in, in some ways it is putting it on that level with physical health like yeah exactly there's some things you can't do because you're just physically mm. not capable sadly mm. and there are certainly there's... some jobs and things that i wouldn't pursue that would really yeah. interest me because i know my anxiety couldn't yeah. cope with it but i think there's, i think that has think to it's be very... that it's a personal yeah. thing we can't I think it's a difficult conversation to have. Mm. I think if it's medicating a child, like, you wouldn't think it was a good idea to have someone with uncontrolled schizophrenia flying a plane. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It depends on levels. Obviously, if if you are in the throes of a bout of depression, you're not going to be up to the job of flying. And I think maybe sometimes it's society making it e- like more acceptable for people to have those struggles so that you can say actually my mental health isn't good at the moment i need to take time yeah. off from my job and not get punished yeah. for it i think that's the problem it's that sort of like if i seem like this is a problem people are going to fire me because exactly. oh you're not suitable for the job when that's not the case yeah. it's just that you need to be well like anyone needs to be exactly. well yeah mental health i think that is the thing it's so stigmatized that we can't still we don't treat it on a par with physical health of it just being about health it's not a oh this person's incapable or crazy or yeah it is just something to keep healthy and to get treatment for if it's not and if you need time off to be healthy like if you need time off after a big operation for example you wouldn't expect at least in this country you wouldn't expect to be fired for that no exactly like if you had cancer and like oh you know my chemotherapy is meaning that i've got to be out a day a week again you couldn't legally just be fired for that in this country yeah and i think Mm. the same should go for mental health if you need to Mm. take time off to heal from depression or because you're going through about like I know you're meant to be able to take time off in this country for counselling appointments and stuff like that, yeah. but so many people that need it don't because of the stigma and yeah. worried about you won't get mm-hmm. that promotion or you will be looked at disfavourably. Definitely, or... yeah. There have been plenty of times I haven't been honest about my mental health in yeah. a work environment. Yeah. But yeah. But yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, where was I? Yes, he was prone to bouts of severe depression had been throughout his life yeah. but this didn't prevent him from obtaining his license though and he yeah. graduated in 2012 yeah 
in late 2014 or earlier in the year of 2015, Lubitz was declared unfit to work after seeking medical support for some health problems he was having. Okay. I don't know exactly if these were physical, mental, or both. Okay. I saw one source state that he was suffering from eyesight problems and was potentially going to be unable to work as a pilot. Yeah. Another source, and to be fair, one I would regard as more credible, (laughs) stated that his eyesight problems, along with insomnia, were side effects of a psychiatric disorder. Yeah. Um. He was seen on 41 occasions by different doctors, though. That's a lot. Yeah, as well as emailing his doctor shortly before the 24th of March, expressing his terror at the idea of going blind. Oh. So it seems that he may have been suffering mentally, but perceiving the physical effects of this as a more permanent, genuine physical issue. Yeah. Which wasn't, from the sounds of it, what doctors believed. Um, He was given sick notes and told not to work. Um, but his being deemed unfit to work was not disclosed to his employer and he continued working. That seems bizarre. Yeah. Well, Germany, it turns out, had, at least at the time, I don't know about whether that's changed now, but certainly at the time, they had very, very strict laws regarding patient confidentiality. So, like, the physicians legally could not do anything but urge him to get medical attention. Um, because they believed he was under the influence of a psychotic episode, but they could not legally inform his employer without his permission. See, that's why I think I disagree that they... Like, if you're seeing a psychiatrist and they're worried about your health or the health of others, like what you Mm. whether you're going to harm yourself or others, they can disclose it in situations like that. Yeah. And surely this should have been treated the same because he's got so many people's lives in his hands and they're saying you're you're in a Mm -hmm. massive um, psychotic episode and you're not safe to work. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, Germany at least at that point had very different um, parameters for what physicians could legally do. So, yeah, um, when his apartment was looked like gone through after yeah, the incident. I remember them searching. Yeah, them. there was a sick note telling him not to work for the day of the crash. God. Yeah. So he disregarded all the medical advice, unfortunately. Yeah, because he had all the flight simulators and everything, didn't he, mm. in his apartment? Oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Lubitz, yeah, he hid the problems he was having from his work. And also those close to him in his life too, it seems. Like, his friends regarded him as happy and in, like, good spirits before How the crash. How often is that the case, though? Yeah. People hide it behind such a mask. Mm-hmm. I think this reluctance to reach out for support is, despite what he did, really sad. Yeah. Uh, we're going to obviously kind of get on to what he did, but I feel like I'm sort of breadcrumbing you guys on and Elle has sort of given you a bit of a hint. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, but... Yeah, I do wonder how many tragedies could be prevented with a bit more communication and connection that, sadly, for one reason or another, people don't manage to seek or don't feel they can seek. It's like when you're going through that, though, isn't it? I think it's very true what Robin Williams said, that those who have the biggest smiles tend to be the ones that are in the most pain behind them. Mm, Because you're so focused. In some ways, it's like, I mean, obviously not necessarily the case in all of them but in some cases it's like you're so focused on not burdening anyone else with that and Mm -hmm. not wanting anyone else to feel the pain that you're feeling Mm. and certainly for me sometimes I find that I don't I just don't have the energy to talk about it yeah with other people like I can't stand having to actually think about it any more than I've got to yeah but yeah alongside these doctor's visits and his ignoring of their advice Concerningly, Lubitz had been using the internet to look up ways to carry out suicide as recently as the week of the 24th of March, um, which is, yeah, when Flight 9525 was obviously scheduled to depart. It is clear, I think, that Lubitz was just spiralling, really. And with Grimm foreshadowing, Lubitz, it was later discovered, had also been researching cockpit door security to understand how it worked. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. And... And Yeah. I don't... It's horrific when people are in such a dark place that they can only Mm. see one way out. But to take other people out with you as well, I just... No. Uh, while I could nest, I could 
understand people being in that dark place themselves for them like i'll never understand mm-hmm. the taking other people with them i suppose it is that thing of just that ability to think rationally or anything is just yeah. so gone like i don't think i hope i will never be able to understand yeah. being in that place yeah um it's just yeah tragic yeah this because it's not like he's done it to be an asshole no because he wants to kill no it doesn't seem that he's done it to get a thrill out of murdering people yeah yeah this bit freaked me out um on the 24th of march um early in the morning on a flight that libitz co-piloted from dusseldorf to um where did I say they were coming from? Um, Barcelona. Barcelona, yeah. So he was flying, obviously, the opposite, opposite way. way. Yeah. Because um, then they spend time there before flying back, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Um, so he had co-piloted that flight before the 10am flight back to Dusseldorf. Yeah. And it turned out he was tampering with the controls on occasions where the pilot stepped out of the cockpit. Oh, no. And was altering the altitude dial to heights of just 100 <gasps> foot. And then resetting everything when the pilot came back. Oh. So his quick actions covering this up meant the pilot suspected nothing. Though later investigations, because of what happened, brought that experimental tampering to light. So that so flight... it was just sort of seeing how it would yeah. work. And... Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine finding out I was on that flight. So that the flight was kind of like a dummy run. Yeah. Oh it seems God. like it. Yeah. But yeah, sadly, that investigation that we discovered this was in response to later events rather than being able to prevent the tragedy yeah. that had been unfolding behind Libitz's closed doors, really. Um, so yeah, as I said earlier, at 10am, 5925 took off from Barcelona. It took just under 30 minutes to reach 38,000 feet. Again, 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the pilot was Patrick Sundenheimer. 34 years old oh god he's like my age yeah yeah he is god yeah and also i cannot imagine being responsible for that many people in a plane yeah at my age sadly i don't really i can't give information on everyone else on that plane i would love to be able to but unfortunately i i don't know that that there are records just accessible where it would list everyone sadly and i'm guessing some people's family want the anonymity exactly yeah I said that word correctly. You did, actually, yeah. But yeah, once the plane was cruising at the height of its ascent, uh, Patrick left the cockpit to use the bathroom, leaving co-pilot Lubitz in charge of the flight just for those few minutes. So I'm guessing this is now why, because obviously, as as we've said before, stuff only changes, it seems, when tragedies happen. Sort of nowadays, you see that if either of the pilots or co-pilot steps out of the cockpit there has to be a steward now yeah. goes and sits with mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I actually mentioned that at the end. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. No, it's good, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this was just about half past ten, and at 10.31, Libet set the plane to descend with speed, oh. locking the doors to the cockpit to prevent the captain or any of the four flight attendants from stopping his plan. Um, despite oh. the rapidity, this horrified me as well. Despite the rapidity of the plane's decline in altitude, it still took ten minutes to hit the ground. Jesus. Um, and I, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine the terror that everyone on board went through as they were just like diving towards the ground no, you for can ten feel minutes. When the ch- plane changes direction, mm-hmm. the plane crashed into mountains in South France near a place called Prazhoublion, I think. Yeah. Uh, the black box recovered from the wreckage had captured the last panicked minutes of those on board with the sounds of the pilot Patrick pounding on the cockpit door and screaming and shouting at Libets. Um, horrifyingly, the fortified cockpit doors, which had been put in place yeah. after 9-11, were the very things that enabled this murder-suicide of 150 people. And as you said, yeah, it wasn't until after this terrible event that the airline started to require two crew members to be in the cockpit at all times. Because yeah, you would have thought you can, the co-pilots left back at the pilot, exactly, you yeah. can trust them. Yeah. Also, they now have um, codes for the doors and everything, don't they? So that those on board can always... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, um, it can't, can't you can't lock people and lock out them. like yeah. that anymore either. Yeah. But yes, sadly, everyone on board died uh, on impact and 
there is now a memorial at the site of the crash and Libitz's family, like the families of everybody else's who was on that plane, is sort of left wondering kind of why it happened, really. Yeah, and I think oh. it's not just everyone on <clears throat> that plane. It's, I think it's touched and affected so many people. Mm. Um, I yeah. think it's such recent history, for one, and mm-hmm. I know when it was happening, I was... God, yeah. what? It's more recent. In my 20s. Yeah, it's more recent than your middle child being born. Like, they were born at that point yeah, in time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I know that when we go over mountains or things happen, like, you always mm. think of that crash that yeah. happened. and It's such it's, a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Cause, like, an iconic, but not... That feels... That's too, like, positive a word. It's like those like flashbulb infamous, memories that you yeah. get just burned into mm. your yeah your memories. It's one of those things that's so in that kind of public conscious, that collective conscious, I think, yeah. still of, like, as a painful, horrifying thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure about other people, but I know for me, as I said, to go over mountains and that's always in your thoughts, even if you're not consciously worried about yourself but you just can't help but think of those people and mm. what they went through and yeah exactly sort of yeah i think quite just... poignant it <clears throat> seems that we're doing and i know it's not related to the like wars and stuff but today's um remembrance day in yeah, the uk as well is, and yeah you sort of you think you always pause and give them that mm. sort of moment of remembrance when i'm flying over mountains yeah and... yeah I think that's the whole point of the this sort of podcast is that remembrance of people who've gone through things and telling the people's story. Yeah, and not just those people who have lived and not letting that just be forgotten. Yeah. And sort of, I think this might be an unpopular opinion perhaps with people, but I think also remembering the people who times because this doesn't apply to everyone but the people at times who have perpetrated crimes but who are victims themselves of circumstance of terrible mental health and sort of being failed by systems systems yeah not everyone who commits these awful crimes is just a monster um and i do think it's important to kind of remember that as well and sort of I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not explaining it very well, but kind of yeah. like remember everybody who's been a victim of tragedy. Yeah, and that their family, not just the palatable ones. Yeah, and their families have lost yeah. people as well. It doesn't make it easier to lose someone just because they've done a terrible thing. In some ways, you've then got to deal with what they've done as well as mm. losing them, which must be doubly hard for yeah. some people. Yeah, um, so. and yeah, and just sort of that. Life is fragile and you should enjoy Mm. it while you can. Yeah, life is for living. Life is for the living. It is, and yeah. But yeah, I'm very glad that that was not before I was flying. I'm going to try and forget about this episode before I fly again. Yes, I started off this episode with having remembered about that flight with the pilot who survived. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this could be like a really interesting one. And then it just ended up really dark and anyway. depressing and yeah and i'm flying on my own next time so that's going to be fun yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah um yeah i'm not sure what, not sure to, what to say, say now yeah no. i didn't i didn't have like a nice rounded off paragraph of like my own thoughts on this one because it wasn't you should have easy ended to with do the that. middle story <laughs> but yes i realize now i made a mistake we can just delete all of this go back and re-record and i'll like change <laughs> it around <laughs> Because I don't, I'm just seriously really bummed out. Same. So um, I'm, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Sorry. Really, that's all I can say. I know. I After this, just don't know where sorry. To I normally have some quips at the end, and I know I've been quipping. That's. I, I like that. That should be a word. <laughs> I don't think it's an actual word, but it should be. I've been quipping my way through um, the episode, but that is literally just because yeah. I am it's a complete so, coping um, mechanism it really is it is one of my biggest bloody mechanism. fears yeah. 
so i'm not making light of it at all it's horrific yeah Um, it is and i'm so glad that the pilot in second story survived yeah but i can't understand how he ever got back in a plane i know yeah but that's the thing if he can you can yeah is my bit of um positivity there yeah um Planes have come on a long way as well. So. Exactly. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I'm jinxing myself now. So. All right. Have yeah. a good week. Yeah. And um, I you. think we're back. Well, I say we're back to it. We are doing a true crime one. It's a bit of a spooky true crime one next week. Ooh. But it is proper. It is proper true crime. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Right. And then I am going to go start researching my next episode which i think is not going to be any happier uh, they never are i mean we didn't well, no. to do a happy podcast did we no no it's <laughs> true so so yeah. yeah i think yeah i've changed it i think you from could, what it was last yeah. gonna be maybe yeah what i said last okay, time interesting but just think if you subscribe to our patreon page you'll be bringing a little chunk of happiness to our lives yes Exactly. Yes. Even if we just make enough from Patreon that we can treat ourselves to a Christmas themed Costa, we'll be Starbucks. happy. We will be so happy. <laughs> there are well, other coffees available. Yes. <laughs> Unless you want to sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, bye. bye. <laughs>